Look out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. My name is David Vignola. This is episode number 52, and we are going to pick up where we left off last week. This is part two of my interview with Josh Estock from Focal USA. We talked about studio monitors, what to consider when choosing studio monitors, how important acoustic treatment is, the size of your room, speaker placement, and many other things. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 51, go back in the archive and check that out. This is part two of my interview with Josh. We're going to touch on subwoofers this time. Wow, subwoofers is a big topic. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cool drink, take some notes, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode because you're going to get yourself a free gift right here on the home recording made easy.com podcast so now i want to throw one more little monkey wrench into this whole equation is i get asked a lot about subwoofers right so (laughs) so you know so now we're going to doubly increase the complexity here so now i know with vocal now i i and i my opinion has changed on this i'll I'll be honest with you when i first bought my solo sixes from you however many years ago it was i mixed for years without a subwoofer and i mix you know i don't really do a lot of you know hip-hop and that kind of stuff it's mostly rock blues some r&b and stuff but I always thought the solos were fine. And then over the years, somewhere along the line, I said, I want to try a subwoofer. And I had some companies, not Focal, who sent me some subwoofers. And I'll just say more affordable subwoofers in the sub $600 range. And I think I tried a 10-inch subwoofer by one company, an 8-inch subwoofer by another. And I plugged them into my solos and I picked a crossover point and stuck the subwoofer physically between the two speakers in the middle um, and moved it around and tried. And it always sounded muddy. It always sounded way too boomy. No matter how low I turned it down, it would screw with my head so much that I said, it's not worth it. I can't mix on these now. And I always get rid of them. And then I went back to, I'm not using them. I really don't need them. And then I was talking to the person that took over your spot, uh, Aaron, when you left, um, and Aaron uh, Smith, we were talking about this topic and he said, well, let me ask you, what subs did you try? And I told him and he said, well, did you ever try the Focal sub that's really made for that set of speakers? And I said, well, no, because at the, you know, it's three times 1500 bucks or whatever. Yeah, it is. And he said, yeah, not cheap. he goes, but I'm telling you with subwoofers, this makes a huge difference. There's a way bigger difference between a $400 subwoofer and that subwoofer, and he goes, let me send it to you, try it, it, just so you can compare, and if you don't like it, you know, just send it back to me, because that's what Sweetwater does, you know? I tried it. What a difference it made, and I love that thing, and I can't imagine mixing without it. That subwoofer is tight, it doesn't sound muddy, and if you, and the key with subwoofers is you gotta make sure you just don't get, you know, happy and just jack up the, the low end. Yeah. Yeah. When you walk into my room, you wouldn't even know there's a sub. It sounds like mm-hmm. all that low end's coming from those solos, and it's not. Mm-hmm. And what a difference it made. So now I'm like, I can't imagine mixing with the sub without it. So I guess my question for you is, what is, is there really something to, well, you know, is it really you kind of get what you pay for? And the reason why, one of the reasons why that sub sounds so good is because it is more expensive. There is a lot more engineering and it. it was more made and maybe tuned for the solos or for that line of speakers because it's called the mm-hmm. solos. Sub six, six. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that, um, is kind of as the matching set. Um, and now and then we just got through talking about room and acoustic treatment. So, at what point do you say, you know, your room is just not big enough for a sub, and how much more of a of a problem does this become? Now we're talking yeah. about the low end, and now you're about to drop an eleven inch subwoofer in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What what is your opinion on that? So, first, what is that? Is there really something to you know? 
am I just fooling myself that with those more less affordable or less expensive subwoofers that they just didn't sound right to me? And then the Focal, mm -hmm. it was instant. There was no messing around. I plugged it in and it was like, wow, my, I never had a sub that sounded like that before. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to unpack. I think, I think on, in a few, in a few, trying my best to unpack it, room, being completely room dependent, right? Let's just assume for a moment that we're we're not dealing with any room modes or any, or anything. The goal of any sub is really to 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 create an extension of your monitoring system, right? It's not just to bump up the bass. It's not to make louder bass. It's to give you lower bass. Right. In cases like solos, right, the, the solo is never going to be able to recreate a 30 hertz tone with that little six and a half inch driver like that big right. Know, right. Uh, 10 inch driver, 10 inch driver. Well, it's just it's just physics. It's just never going to happen um, in terms of, you know, I, I can't say what you compared it to. But but once again, like the, you know, value is uh, things like dynamic range or things we really focus on, right? We don't do any DSP at the moment, not to say we never will, but but we, we very much make an all analog monitoring system and feel like the best way to, to that we know at, at the moment is to kind of talk about those three components again, mass, dampening, rigidity, yep. um, and, and kind of make the, the best we can, the best compromise based on the, the job we're trying to do. Um, Obviously, if you take a more expensive sub like Sub Six uh, and compare it to a lot of less expensive things, you have to think that at least you know the cost to build these things, all that other stuff, they all play a, a big role. But it's really our driver technology. Our drivers are really, really light; they don't weigh very much. Um, the the woofer on that thing is literally made of glass. Um, wow, <laughs> layers of glass with the foam, and same thing with the Solo Six. Um, they're made of glass, so they're really, really rigid. Um, and they're they're really they're they're light, so they're efficient. So what that really means is we can we can have a, a fairly significant amount of output without that driver weighing as much as it would otherwise weigh in another speaker, right? Right. And, and things like neodymium magnets that are really expensive and have high amounts of magnetism versus say uh, a ferrite magnet or a ceramic magnet that are a lot less expensive. Um, you, the dynamic range suffers, the sensitivity suffers. And, and this isn't, this isn't, this is a brand agnostic thing, but you know, the, a lower quality component typically performs in a less significant way. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of all of those things. Uh, you know, I would say, I'd like to think that we know a little bit about what we're doing in terms yeah. of making speakers. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, and that sub is, is kind of catered to, to have the same sound signature. It's got the same power amplifier topology, all that stuff, the same driver philosophy behind them um, that we kind of take away with everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that mass thing, you know, if you, if you put a, I always use this analogy, but if, if you've got a Mazda Miata and you're flying down the road, right. Um, and you've got a, a Ford F-350, right. And you take that, that motor from that F-350 and you put it in that Mazda Miata, mm -hmm. um, it's probably going to go a lot faster than that sure. little four that little four cylinder, right? Um, but if you take that four cylinder and you put it you put it in that F three fifty, that F three fifty is not going to go very fast. So the wattage and and all of that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, right? You really have to take into the efficiency and the dynamic range of that driver because that's where a lot of that nuance happens. And that's probably a lot of what you heard was like the fact that the sub was kind of pushing and pulling really really hard. While in reality, it wants to it wants to ebb and ebb and sway, right? It wants to to act just like a your regular speakers, right? Um, 
while it's less expensive speaker typically isn't as, as nuanced as that, right. Isn't as, uh, you know, doesn't have the transient response probably that they're probably also class D amplifiers. So fundamentally class D amplifiers are uh, a clipping topology. They use square waves to achieve the signal versus a sine wave. They just use filtering to, to run it off sonically that, especially in the low end, it's more noticeable. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of things involved there. So it's everything from componentry design. It's, it's a whole bunch of things. And I think monitors and subwoofers to me are one of the handful of things in a studio, home studio, or even a professional studio where I always say like, it's, it's for lack of a better term, it, it is kind of, you get what you pay for. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there are some sleepers in there where you can find something super affordable. That's really high quality, but in the monitor game, it always seemed to me like not just the more you spend, the better it got, but there was like a price point, kind of like audio interfaces kind of falls in that kind of yeah, realm yeah. too with converters and stuff that once you get above that, you know, say $500 a speaker price point, you know, for a powered speaker, your thousand dollars a pair, a thousand to $1,500, $2,000 a pair. Now you're in a, you're in a ballpark where yeah, you yeah. have a good quality monitor that's designed well, that has good efficiency. That's going to be in the right room and all the things we talked about, that's going to give you the most accurate listening, you know, um, you know, situation as opposed to a really inexpensive kind of entry level monitor. It's not, it's maybe great for listening for pleasure, but maybe not for critical listening and things yeah, like yeah. mixing so much. Now, I mean, once, it's, yeah. it's a game of inches, you know, it, it, I mean, once, once you get to a point that the returns diminish pretty significantly sure. and you're paying a premium for that extra 5% or that extra right. 10%. And it's not because, you know, on our end, we're like, oh, we really want to throttle them back so we can make an extra buck. Right. Um, no, it's, it's just the performance of things. When they get up, materials are typically more expensive or sure. maybe it's significantly more labor intensive to achieve a certain result and you have to pay for it. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. You know, so when, do you, so when do you, so when do you say to someone, you know, when is it, when do you add a sub or the, the, let me ask you, does the, there's a style or genre of music that you're working with. Does that, does that lend itself in your mind to one specific type of series of speaker from Focal over another, or does that really not really matter so much? I know maybe you think subwoofer, you think when you're dealing with stuff with real low, heavy, you know, rap and art and, and hip hop yeah. and that kind of stuff was, you know, dance music, big, big bottom end. That's where a sub would seem like it would make sense. Mm -hmm. Although, like I said, I mix mostly pop and rock. And I could imagine now going back to mixing without that subwoofer. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, it's all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we don't, we don't make any, any product with any genre of music in mind. Our, our goal is, Hey, let's take whatever's coming in and let's reproduce it as accurately as we can going out. No, you know, knowing that we know how to, we have this specialty and this specialty and this specialty. And that's, right. and that's how we know how to build speakers. Right. It's not independent. We, you know, we have a huge Anacoke chamber, you know, all, all the stuff specifically to, to make speakers that, so you don't have to hear your speakers. Like the goal is to hear your music and not your speakers. Right. Um, right. Great, great tagline, but it's, it's right. the truth. Love it. Um, but you know, what speaker system re you require and what you need to hear um, is, is very like, you know, you talk about hip hop, EDM, whatever it may be you know, I'd be lying if I'd said that like hearing that 808 or that bass drop wasn't important for that genre. Even a lot of metal music, like there's tons of like bass drops and stuff yeah, like that. Good point. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and hearing that the right way is, is important. Now I, I think it's the, the worst of two evils is a question you have to ask yourself. And this is kind of the sub uh, conversation 
plays into this as a whole is like, okay, what is more important me hearing everything 40 down the way I need to hear 40, 40 down is, is 30 to 40 Hertz that important or would I rather prioritize, you know, hearing everything else uh, in a more accurate fashion. Right. Um, because I mean, we're talking about this 10 by 10 room in a vast majority of cases, putting a sub in the middle of that room, um, especially assuming you don't have, you got little treatment or a mm-hmm. modest amount of treatment or no treatment is a, is a bad idea. It's if, a bad if, idea, right? Well, if, if the goal is translation to the outside world. Now, if you're just a guy making beats and that's not as important, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're just tracking stuff for your band and you just want to be able to record it and put down demos and the intent of that is never for that material to see the outside, the outside world, maybe you can take it somewhere else and mix it. Maybe you're going to send it off to somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. It's, it's, it's not as important. And maybe that trumps, hearing those, that 30 Hertz and being able to, the emotion that that invokes is, is more important for, for that user than it would be a mix engineer. Right. I, think, I think you have to determine who you are and where you fall with that argument. But yeah, putting a sub in a small room like that is, is um, problematic in a lot, of, a lot of ways. One, just in terms of how your room interacts with the sub, um, more low in energy creates more problems, right? Uh, B, physical location of that sub you mentioned you just threw it between your two speakers um sometimes in a small room like that you don't have the ability to move a speaker a sub around right right? sometimes you've got a rack or you've got you know a guitar rack or amps or whatever um sometimes you're not able to physically move that and most subs only have a phase invert they don't have variable phase so now you have a time domain issue right right that, that needs to be resolved. So maybe you have to delay the output of your sub um, and maybe your monitor controller doesn't have a delay. Right. Uh, so you have to drive it from an aux and Pro Tools or PreSonus or whatever. Right. You know, I mean, there's a whole multitude of issues. Um, but the positives is is if your room is capable and if, you, if it is treated in a way that makes sense, it can make your speakers more efficient in terms of how accurate they are to reproduce that stuff. Because once again, that low-end energy takes a lot of, of, of real estate in terms of the energy of dynamic range and, and, and frequency capability that thing has to reproduce. It can make your speakers louder um, because they're not handling that energy, right? It can extend your system lower. Um, there's a lot of ben- benefits fundamentally, you know, but once again, it's kind of a, a greater of two evils conversation. Um, I don't think you can copy and paste any solution into any, you know, um, any, any square, but I, I would think that if we're talking about it, the average bedroom, even if it is treated, subs subs can present a very real problem. Right, there's more things to deal with. So again, for, I guess yeah. some of our takeaways, and again, if you're looking for speakers, first thing is what is, as you said, what's the goal? That's that's a good, I never thought of it that. What is your goal? Are you just someone who's just recording, just tracking, just making beats? You're not a mixing engineer per se, and you just want to record music. And maybe like you said, you want to crank it up and you want to hear the low ends because you enjoy yeah. that or listen sure. to pleasure. And having a sub and having it bounce all over the room really doesn't matter all that much because it's not about mixed translation. As yeah. soon as you start talking about mixed translation, which is probably 60 or 70% of the people who are going to be watching this and listening to this, well, then there's a lot more care that has to go into these decisions, right? What is yeah. the goal? What size room do you have? How far away you're going to be sitting away from those speakers? And, you know, maybe what kind of music you typically work on it could play in it. And also, how loud do you monitor when you mix? And I always talk about the lower you can monitor 
for, for the better for many reasons. One, as you yeah. just said, it's really going to help the low end because you don't have the low end bouncing around as much inside of the room, the lower the, the, the overall volume is Two, your ears aren't going to get as fatigued faster and you can mix for longer periods of time. So all of those things together, um, I think make up as part of right the decision process. And then, as you said, when you decide about, oh, I'm going to buy this kind of speaker in this price range. Well, maybe the acoustic treatment should be rolled into that budget, right? If I'm going to spend, if I have $3,000 to spend on a pair of monitors, well, let's talk about maybe a third of that or 20% of that or whatever should be set aside for, well, you may need to level up your acoustic treatment before you buy those speakers and you'd probably be better off buying maybe one series down or one step down in price on the speaker and using that extra money to make sure the room is acoustically treated properly to get the most out of that speaker, right? As opposed to just, you know, shooting the whole load on, on the most expensive yeah. thing you can get with the biggest speaker and then putting it in the wrong environment and never getting that mix to translate outside of that space. Yeah. I mean, nailed it. I mean, I, I, I can't count how many times, unfortunately that I've, I've had a conversation, you know, with, you know, a, end user A or B or whatever. And he's, hey, I just got a set of Trio 11s. They're these huge speakers that weigh 95 pounds a piece. They go down to 30. They put 118 dB SPL. And, and you know, they call and say, hey, got these speakers. They're awesome. Um, but, like, it's just not translating. And, and it's, okay, what's your treatment situation? Oh, I don't have I don't have any treatment. Oh my but, god! Yeah, you know, it's it's like, man, you know, um, I think a lot of it's just education, which it's awesome that you're doing this and, and try, yeah. trying to convey that stuff because it is confusing. You know, if if you're a guy who's never taken the physics of audio courses, you know, if you ever did those in college or, um, you know, basic, you know, understanding audio and and how that interacts with the world around us, um, yeah, it's it's super important. I mean. Trust like the result you will get from opposed to buying eight thousand dollars speakers, buy four thousand dollars speakers, and spend other four thousand dollars in treatment. Right. The the result for your client at the end of the day, and and the goal for everyone is, hey, I want to do this as a hobby. Probably you want to do it as a profession, ideally. Right. That's what, that's what a lot of people want to get to eventually. Um, your clients have to be happy, and they're going to be a lot happier at the end of the day if their mixes are translating the way you intended than if you're just. You know, rolling around. Right. And even if you're not mixing for clients, but you're mixing your own personal music, if you're going to sure. put that music out into the world on Spotify or wherever, you want it to translate, right? You don't want yeah, it, yeah. To, you want it to sound the best it can possibly sound. And a lot of that has to do with your engineering skills and your recording skills is all, you know, part of this. But what I tell people is your monitoring system is the most important thing in the room because every single decision you make with an EQ and a compressor and a reverb and a delay has to do with what you hear coming out of those speakers or if you're mixing on headphones. Yeah. And if you're not getting an accurate accurate representation of what's being what's really there, it doesn't matter really how good your engineering skills are because you're always going to have looking for that way to compensate for what you can't hear accurately inside of the space. So to me, that that is that is that is huge. So if you if I think everyone, no matter who's, you know, if you're a professional, you want to be a professional, if you want the mix to sound that's best and you're going to do the work, then you you have to account for all of these little things. It's not just buy the most expensive speaker you can get your hands on mm-hmm. and do that. And also now we talk about the trios too. Some of the other, I know that they're more expensive models, but it's more, it's also too, there's some features inside of those speakers that are um, different from the from some of the lower price speakers, such as I know you have on the, the six the trios, you have this thing called focus mode, right? We have mm-hmm. this 
either you have the 11 inch woofer or the eight inch woofer and essentially focus mode does what it turns off the woofers so now you're listening to a two-way speaker instead of a three-way speaker so is it kind of like having two sets of monitors in your room all built into one so yeah yeah that's kind of the idea um and, you know and i wouldn't say sonically that there's so it's so drastic there's no once again there's no dsp in the box that's that's managing any of that or um we're effectively so inside of the trio series they're actually two different cabinets so um they're they're isolated that low-end woofer whether it's the, oh. the the big one or this the, the eight or the 11. So it's like a box in a box kind of it's a, thing? a box in a box kind oh, of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's no interaction between the, the mid and the tweeter and the, and the low frequency uh, woofers. So it effectively turns that woofer off and then changes the crossover uh, point on the mid range driver. So the mid range driver is handling more than it would be in three way mode. Mm -hmm. And also brings the high frequency crossover down to, to 20 K versus 40 K. Um, so it kind of gives you more of a, a two way, uh, experience but it's really really useful especially when like you're trying everybody's you know in the situation where they're trying to get that vocal to sit in a way that feels good but you're on a speaker where you're you've got all this low end stuff you can't really hear what's going on um so just pushing that button and, and it really kind of gives you that i don't want to say more of a uh, conventional experience like everybody would hear but you know you don't have that that low extension you would otherwise have so you can really gauge get that low mid and a vocal to sit in a way where it's not conflicting with the bass guitar or it's not conflicting with the top of the kick drum, you know, right. it just allows you to kind of massage things into place. Um, it's just like a perspective switch that, that that's kind of just what I've been calling it. It's right. just like, okay, let's focus in on, on the mid range. The money is typically in the mid range. That's know? right. That's if right. Your mid range and your mix sucks. You're probably screwed. Right. Um, you know, so, but, but, uh, you know, just allows you to hone in on that and, and kind of gain perspective on what you're doing. And it's just a really useful, handy tool. Um, you know, that wasn't, we didn't have to compromise on DSP or anything like that to, to implement the, the feature in the speaker. So well, it's kind of like having a set of avatones. Like a lot of people have those little mix cubes and that's get yeah. that perspective to, you don't want to hear any low ends or very yeah. little. And if you can get the, what's the old, the joke with same thing with NS10s, right? If you can make your mix sounds bad yeah. and you can listen to it for more than five minutes on a set of those speakers, your mix is probably going to translate yeah. most places. Right. So is that kind of the concept to get away? Yeah. That's, that's kind of the idea. You know, it's not as dr dramatic as like a set of war tones because Nortone is just one driver. There's, there's right. no actual tweeter. Right. There's there's more dynamic range, but but yeah, that's kind of the idea is to limit that that band that you're you're hearing to something that 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 is more conventional in terms of the way music's dispersed all over the world. Like, you know, uh, if you hear, you know, it's it's like it's if you're mixing a track and it's like you know that's going to be played on an overhead speaker in a in a <laughs> uh, like <laughs> in a supermarket or something. Right. You know, it's good to be able to have have that that extra tool to be able to, to have more of that experience. Obviously you could take a high pass filter and like 24 DB and octave and roll that all the way up and then roll it down and play with that. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy little handy feature that uh, people seem to, to like. So on the, on those trios now with the bigger woofers in the box inside of the box kind of design, which is different from the other series where they're mm -hmm. all in the same box. Is there a real need for a subwoofer on those trios? Or I guess maybe is that, uh, situation dependent or is kind of the thing, well, if you have an 11 inch or even the eight inch with the box inside of a box, kind of acting like a subwoofer for lack of a better word, and they have mm -hmm. all the built-in crossovers, does that also, from a budgetary standpoint, does that kind of negate where maybe you really don't need the sub as well? So you can just focus your budget on 
getting something like those kinds of speakers and now you don't need a sub which is that extra uh as we talked about earlier sub placement and some of those yeah. other things kind of go away if it's all in the two speakers yes or yeah. So, well, uh, once again, it's situation dependent, but the one thing it does remove is the, the time domain and the, the phase domain of the speaker, right? right? Everybody's always talking about having, uh, you want your drivers to be as, as close to the same plane, as coincident as they potentially can be. So um, there's a lot of, you know, ways we manage that with subs and you move them around the space, but um, that just kind of negates a lot of that issue. If that is your concern and they definitely do go lower, whether that's low enough for you or not is, is the question, right? If you have a really, really huge space, if you're in a space that's 30 by 40 and you've got a big console and something like that, um, Trio 6s might go low enough for you, but if you got a guy who wants to come in and, and he's, you know, he's got beats and sub bass that go down to 28 hertz or something, um, and he wants to crank the knob to 10, like as soon as he steps in the space, which happens all the time for, for a certain certain group of people. Um, yeah, you still should totally consider consider a sub. Um, in the case of the 11s, there's not a lot of cases where I see people using 11s with subs uh, just to be totally transparent because they, they go down to 30 on their own. Um, right. And that's, that's within plus or minus 1 dB too. So they even go below 30. Um, so yeah, the, not as much of an argument to be made for 11 versus 6. But once again, I think... If you're doing blues or, or rock or like indie or whatever, classical, mm -hmm. um, and you're in an average size space or, or slightly larger than average size space, I think the Trio 6 is just fine. I mean, I, I use Trio 6 in, in my studio, which is uh, my dimensions are 14 by 21 um ish and trio six are more than more than enough for, for right me. so that's so that's what you recommended for me based on my which yeah, is not yeah. too much different from your space and you said uh, don't go to the 11s the room is probably not you don't really need that that's probably yeah. sixes is probably if you're going to go trio that might be the right size speaker for that space yeah <clears throat> yeah totally you know and, and the the 11s more of a midfield like re really you need to at least be six feet away Oh yeah, can, can we can we define it? Oh, and then we'll and then I'll let you out of here. But that's actually yeah, sure. the word. What is the difference? Because people ask me this all the time. I'd love to hear your answer. What is the difference between a near field and a midfield? And and because you hear those two terms, mm -hmm. most people are probably shopping for near fields. But what's yeah. the difference between a near and a midfield? Well, what's yeah, the that, definition? <laughs> that's kind of in the eye of the beholder to a certain extent. But we we kind of consider anything uh, a midfield that that intends to operate anything beyond six feet or the, the, if you're in Europe, two meters ish ish away, right? Anything closer than that, um, we kind of consider a mid, midfield. Now, there's a lot of speakers that kind of bridge that gap in a way that from from us and and others but like you really the effective listening distance at a minimum um of a trio 11 is, is like five and a half feet at a, at a minimum minimum from where you're sitting distance from, from the speakers cor correct minimum oh, because because okay. what happens if you think of it like a pa speaker and how a pa speaker throws if you ever go to a live show well we haven't had those in a while but <laughs> if you have gone to a live show <laughs> in your life and you've seen line arrays and how they have them tilted yeah. skew to to project the sound into certain areas it's kind of the same thing with the speaker right you you want that frequency response to be linear as the closer you get to the speaker and the furthest away you get from the speaker but it's not once you get to a certain driver size and a certain size of box you have to physically move your body 
uh, away from that speaker, or you won't be able to experience them all uh, in, in a linear fashion. So, um, but yeah, so that's, so the Trio 6, we definitely consider midfield, you know, you can really use those within an arm's length uh, and, and still have uh, maybe a little bit more than arm's length and still have a, that realistic experience. But yeah, six meters is kind of where we, not six meters, six feet, two meters. On, the, on that 11 and, and on the trio series, you want to be about six feet away? Yeah. I mean, the trio six is, is you can be closer, right? Be that's, closer. That, that's definitely more of a, a near field speaker. Um, you right. can put it in, in a near to midfield application, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the trio 11s are definitely a, a midfield and something I wouldn't recommend using any closer than, than five and a half feet away. Right, right, sure. right, right. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, that's a ton of information. So for everyone that's kind of listening, if you, again, if you're in the market for speakers, um, all the, if you're watching this on YouTube, all the links for everything we talked about, I mean, the description box below to go to Sweetwater, both of our favorite places, they carry all the Focal speakers. Um, and you can always go back and re-listen to this if you want to get a, more of a feel, or you can always send me an email, leave a comment below, and one of us will be checking comments from time to time and see if, if uh, we can point you in the right direction. But I think if you take some of the things that we talked about today and keep that in mind when you're shopping for speakers, and this is why I tell everyone go to Sweetwater too, you know, not just because they give me a t-shirt, but because um, even when Josh was there, you know, you have sales engineers that really understand this stuff. Um, and they really, they everything that we talked about today, every one of the sales engineers at Sweetwater could probably talk you through 99% of everything that we just talked about today to help put you in the right speaker based on your budget in your room. And they're going to ask you all these kinds of questions to make sure that whatever you get into your space is going to be appropriate for what you're trying to do. And if for some reason, and one of the bad things about speakers, and we've talked about this before, one of the difficulties about us doing a YouTube video on Focal speakers and being able to, you know, convey what we're hearing in the room over YouTube is very, very difficult. But when you're using monitors, going to a big box store and listening to them there, it doesn't really do them justice because of everything we just talked about. It's your environment, right? So you got to get the speaker in your environment. And if you're working with a place like Sweetwater, after you talk to your sales engineer and they send you a set of monitors, and for some reason it doesn't seem to be working, they'll work with you to swap them out. Okay, well, try this one, you know, and, and maybe until you find what works in your space, they want to put you in the right gear. They don't want to just sell you gear. They want to put you in the right gear because they don't want you to return the stuff. They want you to get the stuff, purchase it, and make sure it works for you. And that's that's why I always tell everyone, buy everything at Sweetwater. So all the links will be in the description box below if you want to check that out. Josh, I thank so much for 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 stopping by and uh and I I, I can't believe that you're you know you're you're the you work at Focal. I just, I just so, yeah, small world, small small that. world. He sold me Focal's and now <laughs> and he's working. He's going to help sell me the next set of Focal's and it'll be a real interesting video. Um, and again, I want to say thanks to you guys for helping work with Sweetwater to get me the other three sets of monitors so we could put all four in the room. And, and even though I'm not going to be able to, the audio is going to be tough for anyone to really judge, uh -huh. but it'll be myself and two other engineers are going to be in the room and we're going to listen and we're just going to give our live feedback. What, cause we all hear things differently. Uh -huh. What do we hear? Um, and what, 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 what do we like? What don't we like? What do we think, you know, and all different genres of music. So it should be an interesting video to just kind of get three guys opinion on which one of these speakers do you like best? And what, what do you hear differently between one series and another? Because like I said, I was totally shocked by those twins versus those solos, how much different they sound. And they both sound fantastic, but I'm listening going, I couldn't believe how much of a difference there really was. Um, and so it was an interesting uh, learning experience. And I hope the video will, will help people if, if, no, if for no other reason to kind of give them another perspective before they start shopping for speakers. 
Yeah, I mean, thanks so much. I mean, it, it, I really look forward to the video. I think, um, you, you know, you may come away with some prizes or surprises. You, you might, you know, you might come away thinking like, man, you know, I, I really like what I have, you know, and that's, and that's great. Yeah. Like if, you know what I mean? If that's where you're at, I mean, you know, what, one thing, it, it'll be interesting. I think you're going to get some shape 65s in there and then uh, you've got your solos, you know, like that's a pretty significant price jump. Um, we talked about diminishing returns earlier. It's like, okay, I, I, you might find, you know, I don't want to skew your bias or, or right. anything, but you, you might find it's like, oh, they're actually closer than I, than I thought they were. Um, yeah, I, I will. I, and it's so, funny because when I w- listened to the twins and I, I did it, you know, after listening, I just did a mix on them. And I th- at first I went, I don't know if I like these because I'm so used to the solos. Yeah. But now I've worked on them a bit and I got it. And I got to tell you, I was telling my other friends who may want to he wants the wants my solos. I said, I'll tell you <laughs> what, when you hear these twins, man, it's just and again, for me, because of what uh, being a mix engineer, mixing client work, it is all about translation. Mm-hmm. And being able to get as close to, although my mixes always translate really well with the solos, especially since I've added the subs, but part of it's because I know the speaker so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it really amazes me how accurate those twins are and how it's like, wow, that mid range and that upper mid range, you really, you can really hear it way, way more than on the solos, at least with my ears, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just a weird thing. So I'm interested to hear how much different the trio sixes from those from those twins that's yeah. that's the one that I, and then like you said the shape to the solo those two comparisons i'm really interested how much different do they sound um you know and you would think the you know and like you said maybe maybe you'll be happy with it's maybe not necessarily the most expensive is the one you like the best it really depends on the room the situation and everything else and what you just like to hear i guess you know yeah, to totally we all hear totally. it, right? Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sway you anyway. I'm really kind of eager to see <laughs> to see how you come away with all this. But uh, well, I know yeah. someone, I know someone that owns the 11s, yeah. and they said to me, "Dude, don't even listen to them because you're you're not going to leave the room without buying them." He says, "You don't even want to listen to the 11s." That's what he said to me. He said, "Yeah, they." they uh, and they, I said, "Well, they, that's a little bit out of my. That's a little bit beyond <laughs> my budget, <laughs> the 11s." But he said, "Don't even listen to them because if you listen to them." You're going to figure out a way to buy them because he said they're, he says, in his opinion, he goes, it's the most unbelievable speaker he's ever listened to. And the one oh, thing, that's great. About, the one thing he told me about those speakers as well is that um, he said the sweet spot on those is enormous, mm-hmm. which again, we talked a little bit about the triangle earlier and that if you're sitting in the right optimum space, that's where you're hearing most accurately. But if you know, you move one side to the other, or if you're working in a hybrid setup and you roll your chair over to a rack and you now you're out of the sweet spot well, you're not really hearing as accurately anymore, if the sweet spot is small, he was saying on those trio 11s, he says, I can almost be anywhere in the room and it sounds exactly the same. Now, again, yeah. he has a professional control room. It's professionally treated and all the things we talked about, but he said, that's the most unbelievable speaker he's ever heard. And he said, he put him, he shot him out against barefoots and things that were twice, not twice the money, but more expensive. Yeah. And he said, those focals are something, something else. He said, you know, there's something else. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a room that can, that can handle it. He's got a big room. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. They're, 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 you know, I, I would say out of all, all the speakers we make, if you have a room that's, that's that large enough to accommodate them, it's, it's in, in terms of the value that you're getting for the money. It's, it's definitely up there. Trio six is up there too. But, yeah. Well, that's yeah. good thing. My room's not big enough for the 11s. It would be too small based on what we talked about. So now I'm like, okay, they're just too big for the room. But the trio sixes might be something we'll have. To yeah. See. I, I think the sixes might be, might be up your alley, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. It'll be an interesting video. So everyone you may, you may come out of this and just all you have is like alpha fifties. 
You know, that's you, you it. Never, you never know. And then a little off of 50s, and that's your hope. <laughs> and I, and that's totally fine as well. I could, go, I could go for that. I'll make some money on the project. I'll sell the solos and get the album. Hey, who there knows? We go. So, everybody, thank you so much, Josh. Everyone, make sure you like, share, subscribe. Stay tuned to the channel. If you're not subscribed already, make sure you are and make sure you hit the notification bell if you're listening to this on YouTube because that video is going to be coming uh, soon, probably over the next month or so. Once we get all the speakers and we have a chance to work time to work with them, we're going to shoot that video and then you guys got, we'll see what we really think. And, um, and you know, you can use this as kind of a reference to, you know, talk about all the technical information that we talked about. Josh, I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for all your help. And thanks yeah, thank uh, Cal, for making a great product. And I really am looking forward to, uh, to comparing them all. And uh, I'll share the results with you for sure. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks so much. Anytime. Good seeing you. Yep. Well, there you have it. Our full interview with Josh Estock from Focal USA. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope you guys learned something. So between these last two weeks with Josh and the episode I did a few weeks back about talking about the same topic, um, you guys have all the information you need for when you are setting up monitors in your home studio to get the best results. And again, whether you use Focal or another brands, it doesn't really matter. All those principles are the same, but I highly recommend you check out Focal just because they do make a great product. And as we talked about last week in part one, there's really three different series of speakers that they make and they make stuff sub par thousand dollars a pair. And for less than a thousand dollars a pair, you could get yourself an awesome set of near field speakers by Focal. And you may want to check it out. They're called the shape series coming up. Not too long from now, we're going to be doing a video on the YouTube channel where we actually compare the four sets of speakers, as we said in last week's episode, it'll be really interesting to hear the difference between the shape series, the solo series, and then the trio series and they really you know climb in price and they climb in features and you heard about all of that this this week and last week and that'll be an interesting test so anyway i hope this was helpful to you in some way let me know in the show notes or in the comments below depending on where you are listening to this podcast now as i said you stuck around to the end of the episode. I really do appreciate it. And again, this, if this is your first time here, I want you to go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and I want you to check out the free mixing course that I have on the website. It's worth a hundred bucks. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you take that training and you dig my style of teaching and you would like to check out one of my paid training courses, I want to give you a coupon code so you could get a hefty discount. I want to give you a 30% discount. If you use the coupon code podcast30 at checkout, that's right, podcast30. It'll take 30% off any training course on my website. All the information will be in the show notes or the description box below. Once again, thank you so much for joining me and please like, share, subscribe. Give me a five-star review if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple uh, podcast because it really does help me and make sure that you stay tuned because we're going to have more podcast episodes coming up in the future. And until next time, I've been Dave with homerecordingmadeeasy.com and I will speak to you guys very, very soon. Thank you and take care.